so glad that you're with us this weekend at Life Center if I haven't had the chance to meet you. My name's Tyler and thrilled that you've taken a part of your Sunday uh, to be with us. You know, today we continue on in our series that we've been journeying through. And when I say journeying, I mean that intentionally uh, because I've received uh, more text messages, social media messages, conversations after and before gatherings that go a little bit like this. Uh, Tyler, thanks. Didn't really want to hear that, but needed to hear that. Um, and this has been the journey of talking about no offense. Can you say no offense? We've been dealing with our tendency and the opportunity for each and every one of us, no matter how old you are, no matter how long you've been in church, no matter how long you've known Jesus, all of us have had, are having, or will have the opportunity to become offended, amen? Uh, so what this means is, at some point in the last week, you have been offended. At some point, maybe it wasn't last week, maybe it was yesterday, you were offended. Maybe it wasn't yesterday, maybe it was this morning, you were offended. Maybe in the first 30 minutes of this gathering, you were offended. If you haven't yet been there, don't worry, I'm about to start preaching. You're gonna have an opportunity to be offended. And if it doesn't happen today, it's gonna happen this afternoon. All of us, we live in this world where offense happens. It shows up, it's all around us. And in fact, it seems like Society and the culture that we live in, it's much like the water we swim in. We don't even recognize it. We don't even realize it, but it continues to show up in our lives over and over and over. And here's why this matters so much for those of us who are followers of Jesus. If you're not there yet, stay with us because I believe that God wants to welcome you into an incredible relationship with him. But for those of us who know Jesus, understand this matters so much because Jesus wants us not just to experience freedom once, he wants us to live lives that are free. Oh, yes, he does. And it's hard for you to walk in freedom if you're always being offended. You're trapped. Much like that box over there. We, we saw this a number of weeks ago where there's an, often a trap set called a fence. We go, we take the bait, we don't realize everything that's connected to it, and boom, we find ourselves trapped by the plots and the schemes of the enemy, and we think that we are the ones holding the offense. We don't realize the offense has trapped us. Last week, we talked about one of the costs in this journey of living free of offense, and that's the cost that comes with unforgiveness. And this week I wanna kinda do part two, maybe the other side of that same coin, and I wanna talk about the cost of forgiveness, the cost of forgiveness. In a moment we're gonna go to the book of 1 John. If you have your Bibles, you can grab those, get those ready, but before we get there, have you ever been asked to wear something that was not your preference. Maybe you had a job, you, you started a new career, and you get hired, and then the boss tells you, oh, by the way, you have to wear this shirt, and you're like, I don't wanna wear that shirt, and the boss goes, I don't care if you don't wanna wear it, you're gonna wear it. Maybe you've been in a, in a place where somebody gave you some feedback, and they said, hey, you shouldn't wear that, you should wear this. Now, for those of you who don't know me very well, you need to understand something about me. I am a verbal processor. I know that might surprise some of you. Uh, 
But I tend to process verbally, out loud. I, I, I like feedback. And often when I'm getting dressed, getting ready, especially if I'm standing up in front of people, I will ask my wife the important question, what do you think I should wear today? But over the years, I've discovered something about my wife. She has developed this Jedi mind trick thing. Because every time I ask her what I should wear, she, she replies with this question, what do you think you want to wear? <laughs> kind of look at her and I, I, I learned a long time ago that even though I ask for kind of feedback, I want to know what, what she thinks will look good, she discovered something about me that at some level, I already know what I want to wear. Because I will ask her that question and she, early on in our marriage, would say, well, I think you should wear this or this. And I'll look at it. And then I would pull out, but what do you think about this one? And she goes, just wear that one. In fact, as we were talking about this the other day, she reminded me, you don't listen anyways. <laughs> you ask me for my feedback. You don't listen anyways. The question you are asking actually means nothing, Tyler. It means, it means nothing. But what's going on there in that moment, I, I just, I want some feedback, but deep down inside, I probably already know what I want to wear. How many of you, you can identify with that simple illustration? All right. Uh, I, I think all of us, we, we've experienced this moment where we, we know deep down what we like to wear. And this matters because each and every one of us, every single day, we get dressed. Are you glad that the people sitting around you decided to get dressed today? Say yes. But understand, when I say we get dressed every day, I'm not just talking about clothing. Because every single day, we, we suit up, we get clothed with some attitudes and some mindsets in our lives. And what we put on, what we decide to wear, it actually matters. And today I want us to lean into what scripture has to say. Why? Because scripture calls each of us to put some things on and wear them. Now last week, as we talked about the cost or the, the price tag of unforgiveness in our lives, we talked about how we end up paying in broken relationships. We end up paying in the area of our personal peace and even in our health, whether it's our mental health, emotional health, physical health, or spiritual health. We end up paying when we hang on to unforgiveness. Dr. Tony Evans recently said this. He said, forgiveness is not pretending like it didn't happen or it didn't hurt. That's lying. Come on, that's good right there. When you forgive somebody else, it's not saying, you know what, it didn't even happen. It didn't actually hurt. No, no, that, that's lying. It did happen. It did hurt. But listen to what he says. He says, forgiveness is the decision to release a debt regardless of how you feel. Again, for those of you who were here last week, I talked about how when we hang on to unforgiveness, it's directed at the other person but I'm the one who pays the price. It costs me. And so walking in forgiveness is simply releasing that debt. Now let me pause here, and I've done this a few times 
throughout the series, and I want to be clear because I want to address some very real serious issues like the areas of abuse or even domestic violence. Because understand, we need to be wise and safe. Forgiveness doesn't mean you stay in a dangerous situation. Now, as I talked about last week, I can choose to forgive, I can release that debt, but unless there's repentance, unless there's change, there's no ability for that relationship to be reconciled. Why? Because reconciliation requires repentance. That's how that works together. And this matters because today, if we're going to lean in and be people who walk in forgiveness, and I know, again, last, after the last gathering, I was talking to a group of people and they said, Tyler, how many more weeks is this series? Because th these are topics, these are moments that, that kind of hit us right here, but the reality is we need to be hit right here. Why? Because it impacts how we live out our life and our faith every single day. As your pastor, I don't just want to inspire you for 30 minutes. I want to make sure we create space for the, the word of God to transform us for a lifetime. And this matters how we walk forward in life. And so with that in mind, go with me to 1 John. 1 John. John writes this letter to a group of Jesus followers. And one of his main purposes in writing this is he's addressing and attacking a false teaching, a heresy in the first century church called Gnosticism. Gnosticism was this idea that there was a select few people who had special knowledge. Can you say knowledge? So there, there's a group of people spreading this false teaching. A select few get this special knowledge, which they're the ones who could really know Jesus. Everybody else doesn't really know Jesus. The ones with this special knowledge really know Jesus. And John writes these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 3. It says this, this is how we know that we know him. Okay, half of a verse, we've already used the word know twice. Hang in there. This is how we know that we know Jesus if we keep his commands. Tyler, how do I know that I'm growing in Christ? How do I know that I'm actually knowing Jesus? Is there growing obedience to what Jesus has already called you to do? Well, Tyler, I, I don't know all of the commands. The good news is Jesus took all of the law and the prophets and summed it up in two thoughts. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. This is how we know that we know Jesus. I'm loving God. And I'm loving people around me. And it goes on. The one who says, I have come to know him and yet doesn't keep his commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word truly in him, the love of God is made complete. This is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. If we say we know Jesus, there should be evidence of it. And how is that? that? That we're walking out his commands, but also that we are walking as 
Jesus walked. Can we be honest? This is a whole lot easier to talk about than it is to live it out. Because I look at how Jesus walked and I realize, man, there's a disconnect between Tyler and Jesus like in a nanosecond. There's, there's times where I look at my life and I feel like I'm doing pretty good and then I look at the true measuring rod. Not who's sitting on my right or my left, but I look at Jesus and I realize, God, I need your help. And I think scriptures like this are a reminder for us. We cannot do this without the Holy Spirit working in our lives. If you leave here today and say, okay, I'm gonna walk like Jesus. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just discipline myself to walking more like Jesus. Good luck with that. Because you maybe will make it out of the parking lot. But then you're gonna turn on to union and it's all, the wheels are gonna come off, right? I mean, it's, it's not going to happen. We need the Holy Spirit's help to walk this out. What's interesting, looking at the the Gnostic false teachers that John is kind of attacking, there was nothing that that kind of looked out of bounds in their moral behavior. You see, on the outside, everything looked good, and they were claiming to, to know Jesus. The disconnect, though, was there was no love for other followers of Jesus or the way that they loved God was getting expressed in love with other people. And scripture here is inviting all of us to understand if we say we know Jesus, we better walk like Jesus. You want to know one of the things that I observe when I read about Jesus' life through the gospels? He's really good at forgiving. Really good. You want to know one of the things that I've noticed about myself when I walk with myself? Not quite as good at forgiving like Jesus is forgiving. Anybody else? Maybe this is just for the next gathering. Um, we, we all have opportunity to grow in the ability to forgive. And just as Dr. Evans His words are a reminder of of how forgiveness works and how we work it out in our lives. Understand, forgiveness is this reminder that somebody has to pay, but when I forgive that other person, somebody's got to pay, it just won't be you. That's what forgiveness looks like. You see, don't forget, anytime a debt is forgiven, anytime a debt is canceled, it's going to cost someone. I know sometimes we forget about that because stuff can be marketed really well, like, oh, everything is forgiven, like, woo! But I want to remind us, if a debt is real, it requires a real payment. Somebody somebody has to pay. There's a cost involved with forgiveness, or maybe I should say it this way. There is always an investment required in forgiveness. Because maybe that'll be helpful for some of us. It's, it's not just the cost that's paid. It's an investment into your future health. It's an investment into the health of that relationship. It's an investment into my spiritual health to let go of that debt that I'm expecting somebody else to pay or deal with. Today, I want us to consider the words in Colossians chapter 3. Go with me there, Colossians chapter 3. It's interesting as... 
Paul writes earlier on in chapter three, he talks about this new life that we have and and the unity that the Holy Spirit creates. In fact, he goes to the point of saying, Jesus, he has one body and in Christ, there's, there's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free. We are all one in Christ. And then he says this, verse 12, therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved. By the way, did you know that God chose you? And that means if he chose you, he has a purpose for your life. He's got a plan for your life more than just sucking oxygen until you die. There's a very real purpose that God has for you. Chosen, holy, dearly dearly loved. Put on, can you say put on? Put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against another. I know that never happens in the church. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Catch this, don't miss this. Just as John was writing and reminding the church we are to walk as Jesus walked. Here's another example of how this looks. We are to forgive just as we've been forgiven. Is there anybody else who's been forgiven a great amount? I'm glad that the three of us are here today. (laughs) Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ to which you were called uh, in, in one body rule your hearts and be thankful and be thankful. You look at this and number one, we need to recognize that we were called, we were chosen by God. His grace chose us. It's not so much that we found God. It's actually that our hearts finally awakened to the fact that God found us and chose us. We never worked our way to God. But in light of the fact that we've been rescued, in light of the fact that we've been saved, scripture calls us to to put some things on, to to be clothed in some things. And yet I know that that challenge can be, well, Tyler, you're, you're calling me to forgive, but I don't know if I'm willing to release that debt. Well, I think we need to be reminded of something important today. Don't forget, though your forgiveness didn't cost you, it wasn't free. Your forgiveness, it didn't cost you. Jesus did not hand you a bill once you said yes to him and said, okay, in order for you to be forgiven, here's the contract, here's what I need you to do, this is the payment schedule that I need from you. It didn't cost me, but understand, it cost Jesus everything. It wasn't free. He paid by laying down his life, by being whipped, beaten, nailed to a cross, buried in a grave. But today, friends, he's alive. And because he's alive, we now have new life. And part of that new life is to walk as Jesus walked. So let's get practical. If you're waiting for somebody to be worthy of your forgiveness you're going to be waiting a long time. You ever had somebody do you wrong? They, they said something, did something, they, they just, you, you lost it. You're like, well, 
I will forgive you when you're worthy to be forgiven. Is anybody else thankful that that is not what the gospel said to us? That's not what Jesus said to us. In fact, scripture says it this way, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, if I'm waiting for somebody else to be worthy, the reality is they're never gonna be worthy. Why? Because they're a human. They have flaws. They have issues. Just like, I won't say you, me, just like I have flaws in issues, we will be waiting a very, very long time if we're waiting to forgive once they're worthy. You see, here's the other danger in waiting for them to become worthy. That is forcing them to earn something from me. And let me remind us, God himself did not force us to earn something from him. This is very different than the gospel that we receive. And so if we're gonna walk like Jesus walked, if we're gonna forgive as he has forgiven us, it means that there's a price tag that comes with walking in that type of forgiveness. We can't lose the sight of, of the words that Jesus said when he said, with the measure that we use, it's measured back to us. The same forgiveness that we want to extend Get ready, because that's the type of forgiveness we are going to receive. So to help us drill this down into our hearts a little bit more today, I want to share with us two questions. So if you're taking notes, get ready, write these two questions down. They come from Colossians chapter 3. We just read them. Question number one is this. What am I willing to wear? What am I willing to wear? Again, Colossians 3, consider these words. It says, therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Well, Tyler, I don't feel like wearing that today. I don't know if I want to get clothed in that today. Uh, some of you, you, you've played on sports teams, and maybe you had an experience like me. I remember one team I played on uh, one year. The coach showed up with a box of uniforms before the big game, and I'm all excited because I'm like, man, I can't wait to get, to get my uniform. And he opened it up, and we received the hand-me-downs of the hand-me-downs. I mean, some of these shirts could stand on their own. I mean, they, they were well used. They, they had a certain fragrance to them. You know what I'm talking about. And I, I remember looking at it going, I don't want to wear that. And the coach is like, if you're going to be on the team, you got to wear the uniform. But I don't, I don't like how it looks. I don't like how it smells. I don't think that's my style. Then there's another year. The coach walked in, opened up this box, brand new. I mean, brand new jerseys. The smell, crisp, clean. You're just like, yeah, I will put that on. Thank you very much. There's times that we look at things and we go, well, I don't, I don't know if I want to be clothed in that. But, but here's the point. Like it or not, it seems like there's a uniform that Jesus wants us to be suited up in. And though it might not always feel like it's in style or, or even our preferred taste, he still expects us to be clothed in it. So let's look at these things. Number one, we're called to be clothed in compassion. Can you say compassion? 
But I've noticed some things about our current culture and society, maybe you've noticed this, instead of being clothed with compassion, there's a lot of people who would rather suit up in canceling other people. And what's amazing to me, it's not just secular society, I've noticed that the church is becoming somewhat proficient in this. They hurt me, they did me wrong, they looked at me, do you see how they looked at me? They looked at me that way. Did they look at you or do they have something in their eye? Chill out. And, and if we are compassionate, if we put on compassion, what does that force us to do? It forces us to get out of my own situation and slip my feet into what the other is experiencing. But that's sometimes inconvenient. I don't know if I want to put on compassion. Sometimes it's more convenient to simply dress myself in a way that I can cancel other people. What's the next thing we're called to put on? We're called to put on kindness. Can you say kindness? But instead, it seems like there's a tendency in the world in which we live, instead of kindness, we put on being self-absorbed. And the problem is when I'm self-absorbed, if that's how I get dressed in the morning, if that's how I'm consumed, it's hard for me to be kind to somebody that I don't even recognize is there. The more self-absorbed, it's my task. I got to get this done. And sometimes we will run through people or over people and we fail to walk in simply being kind. But again, we're called to walk as Jesus walked. And the next thing we're called to put on is, is humility. Humility. But there's a lot of people instead that we put on the uniform of pride. It's all about us. It's self-centered. It's, it's arrogance. But, but don't miss this. Sometimes pride isn't self-centered arrogance. Sometimes pride is insecurity that cripples you. And we're not called to be dressed up in pride. We are called to be dressed up in Humility. Can you say humility? The next thing we're called to be dressed up in is gentleness. How many of you love having gentle friends? What I've I've noticed about this dynamic of gentleness, instead of us being dressed up in it, there's a tendency in our world in which we live to be dressed up in harshness. In fact, I've seen a level of harshness in people that I did not know was possible without the comment section on Facebook. <laughs> and by the way, these, these things that we're called to suit up in, it's not just our interpersonal relationships, it's also in that social media space as well. But there's, there's a growing harshness to tones and to interactions and engagement. And I would love to say this is just out with those who don't know Jesus, but friends, I, I see it taking its grip in the body of Christ. We're called to be dressed up in gentleness. We're called to be dressed up in, in patience. Can you say patience? Don't you love it when you find a patient person? Man, I love this. There's, there's nothing greater than this. In fact, I, I have a whole new appreciation for this because our oldest, our firstborn, just got his learner's permit. You want to know how to pray for me. (laughs) What's interesting is, have you discovered how impatient people can be when you're going the speed limit? Last week, my son's driving and 
He's going the speed limit and I look in the mirror and the person behind me, veins out their neck. They're so close, I can see the pores on their nose. They're just like. And I, I, I love it when I find people who are patient around me. In fact, to, to help counteract what we're experiencing now, having a, a kid in our house with a learner's permit, permit, my wife jumped on Amazon, got some of those magnets that says, student driver, bright yellow, bright red. Like, hopefully that might cultivate some patience in the tailgaters. Yeah. The, ch- the challenge for me, I, I often love it when people are patient with me, I don't necessarily always want to clothe myself in that. See, instead of being clothed with patience, I think a tendency in our world is to be clothed with pettiness. Where it's so easy to nitpick and see the flaws and the failures and the little idiosyncrasies in other people and, and, and we, we kind of specialize in, in, in picking at those things, but imagine what life would look like instead of pettiness, we, we put on patience. Yeah, here's the challenge. Often to put on something new, we have to be willing to take off some of the old stuff, which isn't always easy, especially if you've been wearing something for a long time. Anybody else, you have that comfortable sweatshirt? It's the one that your spouse wanted you to throw away two decades ago, but you're like, no, this is, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's mine. You're like, no, you need to throw it away. You think it's great. Everybody around you is like, it's not great. It's not great. Some of us, we need to get rid of the old and we need to be willing to put on the new. Why? Because we're called to walk like Jesus walked. We're called to forgive like Jesus forgave. And the question is, what are you willing to wear? You willing to put it on? Here's here's the second question from Colossians 3. What are you willing to bear? What are you willing to bear? Verse 13 says this, bearing with one another. Bearing with one another, leaning in. What what does this word bear mean? Well, it it means this, the act of enduring, the capacity to endure. Can I tell you, this is where forgiveness really gets challenging. Why? Because scripture calls me to not only clothe myself with some things, but also to be willing to bear, endure journey with others. In fact, in architecture, the idea of bearing simply means this, a supporting part of the structure. It's that area of contact between a bearing member as a beam, a pier, a wall, whatever that that structure is to create support. So think with me for a moment. How many of you in your house, in your home, in your apartment, there is a load-bearing wall? If you have one, raise a hand. I want you to picture you get home today and your wall looks at you and says, you know what, for years you've been putting nails into me. The mirror that I have to hang, look at you looking at yourself. That nasty piece of art that that you think looks good but nobody likes. And all of a sudden the load-bearing wall that's carrying the structure of your house decides, you know what, I'm out, peace. I mean, no, your house collapses. The structure 
gives way. Can I tell you why so many relationships break, so many marriages break, so many friendships amongst believers fracture and crash and crack? It's because people are no longer willing to bear with one another. Are we, are we willing to, to bear? Aren't you thankful that Jesus was willing to bear our weakness, our shame? He took our penalty, friends. He, he was willing to bear the weight that our sin created. And as we walk like he walked, we, we have to be willing to clothe ourselves with these things. Yeah, but there's a part of us that we also have to be willing to, to bear that weight if we want to see that relationship get healthy, if we want to see our spiritual life be healthy. See, a load-bearing wall, what does it do? It, it carries weight. And what that means is if we're waiting for them to be worthy to bear that Wait. If we're waiting for them to, to kind of get everything perfect before we're willing to step in, imagine if your house had that conversation with you. See, we have to ask ourselves, am I willing to look like Jesus? Am I willing to step in and, and bear the weight? And, and here's the cost, friends, of forgiveness. This is where it shows up. See, sometimes forgiveness, it costs us our right to be right. Greatest piece of marriage advice I ever received was right after I proposed to Amber. Brother Herman Rohde, he said to me, Tyler, I, I have some pre-marriage advice for you. I said, what's that? He lifted his pointy finger, he looked at me, he goes, you don't always have to be right even when you are. What does that mean? At, at times, you gotta, you gotta bear the weight. Can I tell you, Amber's got some strong shoulders. She has to bear the weight. There, there's dynamics that show up in our lives that, that we have to bear the weight. And sometimes that cost is, I have to give up the right of being right all the time. Are we willing to bear that? Rarely is forgiveness convenient. Have you noticed this? Wouldn't it be nice if like, on your calendar popped up three days from now, hey, you better get prepared because you're gonna have to forgive somebody. You got three days notice. It's, it's not convenient, but are you willing to bear the weight to be inconvenienced? Sometimes forgiveness will stretch what you think you are capable of. I, I don't know if I can release that debt. And listen, it's not pretending like it didn't happen. It's not saying it didn't hurt, but are you willing to release the debt that you're waiting for them to come to you? And like we talked about last week, are you waiting for that person who hurt you to show up and heal you? I want to remind you, there's only one healer. His name is Jesus. And so am I willing to, to bear that weight and stretch myself to release what I don't even feel capable of? And remember, you can't do this without the Holy Spirit. Are you willing to lean in to to see what the capacity is to forgive. Often forgiveness, remember this, often forgiveness is about future health more than it is about pleasant, present pleasure. It's about future health more than it is about present pleasure. Am I willing to shoulder the weight now for future health in this relationship, future health in my own soul? Am I willing to, to lean in or do I just keep going? See, here's our wrestle. Many times when, when we feel the weight 
of that forgiveness. We, we feel that bearing weight. We ask ourselves this question. I know we've all asked ourselves this question at some point. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Sometimes it, it just feels like it'd be easier to, to simply walk away and, and let it crash. But understand, we're called to bear with one another, to forgive as we've been forgiven. And, and friends, that, that carries a weight with it. But here's what we must never lose sight of. Forgiven people, forgive people. Free people help set other people free. It's who we're called to be. It's what Jesus calls us to do. And friend, hear me clearly. Jesus has so much more for each one of us than us hanging on to offense. Forgive. Is it easy? No. Does it cost something? Yeah. What are we willing to wear? What are we willing to bear? Today, can I invite you to bow your heads with me across this room, those who are watching with us online? Just take a moment, bow your heads. I want to say a prayer right now. Jesus, we can't do this without you. We want to be clothed in what you are asking us to be clothed in. And Lord, there's times where we know we should bear with one another, but the weight, the pressure, the weariness, the fatigue, day after day, month after month, sometimes it feels like so much, but you call us to bear with one another to help carry the load in that relationship. God, would you give us grace and wisdom on how to do that this week? Help us to consider what it is that we are clothing ourselves in. Help us to consider how we lean into you and your resources as we help shoulder that load. And today, maybe there's some of us who we need to make the decision to put our trust in Jesus. You see, the reality is, friend, he's already provided everything you need. The cost has been paid for your forgiveness. He accomplished it through his life, his death, and his resurrection. Today, if you are at that place where you say, Tyler, I'm ready for a fresh start with God. I want to know that my sin is forgiven. I want to know that it's a new day, that I can walk out of this moment different than the way that I came in. If that's you, I'm going to invite you to say this prayer with all of Life Center. We're going to pray this prayer with those who are maybe praying this for the very first time. Just say these words, say, Jesus, Thank you for loving me. I put my trust in you. Forgive me of my sin. Make me a new creation. And help me to follow you every day of my life. It's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those who are making that decision? <laughs>